Hello and welcome back everyone. It's the end of August and my high schooler has just started his junior year. It was bittersweet, bitter for him, but sweet for me. <laughs> and if he's listening to this, then I'm super sorry that it's a sweet day for me and <laughs> not so much for you. Um, I also sent off my first and oldest daughter to college last week. Isn't that crazy? And, you know, as um, the days and weeks that were leading up to this um, were filled with getting ready and shopping and making lists and remaking lists and revisiting the lists, I was really concerned about why I was not being so emotional about this. Um, like I was super excited and grateful that she has this opportunity to go to college um, to the one that she really wants to go to. And it wasn't until the day of like, we were already um, on campus and just finishing up some last minute school stuff. And I could feel myself getting really emotional. And I was trying to kind of like dampen that. But then my daughter will look at me. She's like, you're starting to cry. <laughs> now I can't be the only mama bear out there who gets emotional on the very first child going off to college. <laughs> so um, it was, it was really special. And when it was time to leave and we embraced, like she couldn't, she couldn't let go of me. And so I'm super grateful that I have a daughter that loves me and still needs me on some level, but I think going away to college might help her to realize that maybe she doesn't need me as much. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, okay, so that's kind of what's going on in my realm. <laughs> anyway, um, I just wanted to jump on here and record some of my thoughts that I had as I was doing my scripture study this morning. And I'm almost done with the book of Alma, which is Alma chapter 62. And I don't know... Um, I'm sure I've mentioned it in a previous ep in a pre previous episode, but I think it was early this year or maybe even last year that I just had this deep, um, this this inspiration and push to really study the Book of Alma, and you know whenever I've ever read the book, whenever I have read the Book of Mormon, I've always read it from the very beginning, you know, not right in the middle of it. So this was a little bit different, but at the same time, I'm so grateful to have received this revelation to do so because I have learned and am learning so much in the book of Alma. It's so rich in so many ways and levels. Anyway, in Alma chapter 62, it is still one of the war chapters with Moroni as a captain of the Nephites. And um, in chapter 62 is when Porhoran has um, connected with Moroni and he tells them about the dissension that's going on in the Nephites that's keeping um, the armies supplied with food and men and the Nephite army is struggling. And in verse 11, I just want you, to, I just want to read this, but as I was reading this, I just had a completely different take on it. And so it says, and thus ended the 30th year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi, Moroni and Pahoran have having restored peace to the land of Zarahemla among their own people, having inflicted death upon all those who were not true to the cause of freedom. 
And so now in this chapter, in this verse, it's talking about very specific people, right? But as I was reading this, I was reading it from my perspective and what, how this was relating to me. And I've been going through um, processing and implementing and reprocessing and implementing um, some profound revelation and direction that my Heavenly Father has been wanting me to take. And it really hasn't been easy. And I have been able to share some of it with you on the podcast and my struggle with accepting it, but always accepting it and then implementing it, no matter how scary and hard it was. But I feel like this one really takes the cake. <laughs> and I don't think I'm quite ready to share share it with the world right now because I'm kind of in the thick of it. And, and I want to maybe get closer to the end um, to go to the other side of the bridge, as I like to call it, before I share my journey with you. But um, going back to verse 11, what does this have to do with me and what I'm going through? You know, one of the things that that happens when I am fighting and kicking at the pricks <laughs> is, is the lack of peace. Like when I am like in fear, there is no peace for me. And I am always ruminating and just in anxiety mode and stress mode and worry mode. And what it causes me to do is it really causes me to diminish myself. Like I really just want to just hide in a corner. Like I don't want to deal with anyone. I don't want to interact with anyone. Seriously, I cannot tell you how many Sundays where I'm just thinking, I just don't even go to work. I don't even want to go to church. I don't, I just, I just want to go hide in a corner and, and lick my wounds and call myself a victim. And then there are other times where I, even in the midst of, of my fear, I hold on to faith that, that God knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and I'm just reminding of my, reminding myself of that, of that faith and that belief and to go all in and to do so from a place of love and how that love actually expands my capacity. It expands my abilities and my choices. And so what does this have to do with verse 11, where it says near the end, among their own people, having inflicted death upon all those who were not true to the cause of freedom, is that reading that it reminded me of Adam Miller's book, An Early Resurrection. And if you don't know about Adam Miller, I'm going to go check him out. He's been on some great podcasts talking about grace and the law of love and mercy and justice and an and early react, re resurrection, meaning that, that every day you get to decide if there is a part of you that's not sustainable, that's not spiritually sustainable, that you let yourself die. You let those, that part of you die so that you can rise up again and to reconnect and recommit and recovenant yourself to your relationship with God and your Savior, Jesus Christ. And that by doing so, it becomes expansive. You become expansive. You become free from the chains of oppression, from the chains 
of worry and anxiety and from feeling that you are like a victim. And so I, I wrote down some notes as it pertains to, um, to this verse. And I'm, I'm just going to read them out to you and they're kind of in scribbles. So <laughs> I'm hoping to like, as I'm reading to you, I can kind of explain what I'm talking about that. First of all, that peace is expansive. Sometimes we think that peace is just, is laying down and just letting people walk all over us. And that's not what peace really is. That peace is that we connect ourselves to God from faith. We connect faith and love together and allow that to expand our vision, our capacity, and our ability to go forth and to do the things that God wants us to do. For you to do what God wants you to do especially in your separation and divorce, because when you're going through a separation and divorce, it seems as if your choice, your freedom, your agency is being taken away from you. Okay. In regards to how often you get to be with your kids, is it this, is this your weekend or is it his weekend? Okay. How much money you receive, how much money you don't receive stocks, um, assets, um, the home, do you get to keep it? Do not get to keep it. Do you get to stay in? Do you need to leave? Right. So it can seem as if our choices are taken away from us. And granted, it is. But I just want you to know that you have just as many choices that are open up to you that maybe you have not considered. And that to be able to open up to that possibility comes from a place of peace. Peace that God has your back peace that you have your own back, that it is possible to be spiritually sustainable in what you are going through. And that, um, and that there will always be a part of you that is going to root for peace. And that there is a part of you that's not going to want you to put yourself out there and to be, and to, expand yourself and your thinking and, and the possibility. And that part of you is going to, to cause you to go within yourself and to like hunch down your shoulders and to hide. Okay. Like there's no peace in that. And that there's always going to be this war within you. There is. And like, I remember just going through, especially the beginning parts of my separation, not so much now, although it's, it feels different. I think it's a different flavor where there's a part of me that still wants strife, that still wants the war, that still wants to fight, that still wants to like, you know, um, be contentious and to have contempt. There's, it's still there. I can feel it. But now I know it is there. I'm much more aware of it and I get to intentionally choose how I want to show up in my relationship with my children, with my spouse, with other people. And that peace is always a choice, just as contention is always a choice. But can you also choose, like if you're going to choose peace, can you also choose to let the part of you that has been contentious to begin to die? to let that be cleansed all the way under the water and to come up out of the water as a new creature. 
something that I came to realize, and this is something I always tell my clients is that the brain has four functions. Okay. Our human brain. Number one, it wants you to seek pleasure. Okay. Number two, it wants ease. Number three, it wants to hide. Number four, it wants to give you identity outside of your divine identity. Okay. And then I realized that there was a fifth, a fifth purpose of your brain. And the fifth purpose of your brain is to give you choice. Now, what does that mean? Because it might seem so obvious. You're like, of course, it gives us choice. But it's really interesting when I talk to clients that it's actually not so obvious. All right. So then like I'll be talking to a client and um, and and then they'll say something like, oh, I I had such negative bad, angry thoughts and feelings about this person. And I feel so bad. And that makes me a bad person as if they are identifying themselves by their thoughts. Now that does not, I'm not saying that there is no credence in what you're thinking. I think that that gives some insight as to what's going on internally, but at the same time, we don't always have to identify ourselves with our thoughts. You don't always have to say, I must be a bad person because I just thought of something really negative and bad about this other person. But that the, rather that the brain is actually giving you an option to choose what you want to think and believe. So instead of saying, dang, I, I suck. I am definitely not a follower of Christ because I can't love my neighbor. I just, I can't help but just have all these negative thoughts about my neighbor. Of course, your brain is going to have negative thoughts about a neighbor, a child, your spouse, your divorce, whatever it is, because it's giving you a choice to look at it as an observer or giving you a choice to identify yourself with that thought. Now, in observing your thoughts as an outsider, you get to look at it from a place of curiosity and asking yourself questions instead of pigeonholing yourself and asking questions like, wow, do I really believe that? Why do I believe that? And is it true? Is this really who I am? And if I really am someone who loves my neighbor, what's going on with my relationship with this person? Is there some healing that needs to be done? So do you see how when you are not identifying yourself with those thoughts, so many more questions get opened up? The ability to think, to freely think and change your beliefs is possible versus I am a bad person because this is what I think. I am a bad person because I have these feelings. I am an unworthy person because I just, I, I, I feel no love for, and then fill in the blank. And it might be true, right? But I also want you to believe that thinking feelings always a choice. And yes, it may take many choices, many intentional choices to begin to change your nature, to become new creatures. But I don't think that that is wrong. I don't think that's bad at all, but that, that is the, the mortal 
experience that we are meant to have here upon this earth. All right. Um, another thing, another note that I wrote down as I was pondering upon Emma 6211, uh, to die and to rise up again is my daily covenant commitment to God. And this really hit me that, you know, when we think about death and, and we don't always want to think about death because it's, there's, um, because of the story that we are connecting it to, but having a covenant relationship with God to daily recommit to our baptismal covenant means that we die daily. We let die those parts of us that is not serving us spiritually. That is not increasing our strength and our relationship with God and our savior, Jesus Christ. And so to die daily, to repent, to be clean and to rise up again is the covenant that we make with Christ and with our heavenly father. And also each day I commit to do this, to die and rise up again. And that. It is, a it is a reflection of my covenant relationship to Christ. It's my way of remembering his resurrection. You know, when we think about, about, um, about being resurrected someday, we think that it is a future event. And granted, to a certain degree, it is a future event. But at the same time, and this is something that Adam Miller talks about in his early resurrection book, is that it is actually a daily event that we can partake of to be resurrected every single day, to die and to be resurrected and to walk the path with Christ and with God. And as I was thinking about this principle, I remembered the scripture, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. Now, most people, they take that scripture and they use it as a weapon against themselves. They use it as a tool of destruction on self and others. And never, ever, ever, ever does the saver ever command us to do anything of that sort with his principles and doctrines of the gospel. But that as we covenant to die and to receive this early resurrection is a way of being perfect in Christ, to be imperfect with God. Now, perfect, not in a sense of being flawless or never making mistakes or never having a bad thought. That is not the definition of perfect that I think that God and the Savior Jesus Christ are talking about, but rather perfect as in wholeness, unity and oneness. And those are actually definitions of the Greek word perfect, but that be therefore whole, be all in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, be all in, in your covenant with Christ. Okay. Be therefore one with Christ. That is what perfect means. Be therefore perfect. Even as your father in heaven is perfect. Heavenly Father is already one with you. He is whole with you. He is all in with you. 
And he is inviting you to do the same thing, to come to him with your whole soul, with your whole heart, with your whole mind, body, and strength. He wants you to be all in. And there's going to be times where the only thing we can put in his path is our toe. And I think that's okay. And knowing God as the perfect parent, he's going to accept your pinky toe as much as he's going to accept your foot, your leg, and your whole body. Because that's the kind of father that he is. But more than anything, I know that that is what he wants. You know, I was having a conversation with someone and, and about some of the struggles that a mutual friend was having and just how, how to just like serve and minister to her. And I was, as I was talking about this, I was getting really like frustrated and a little bugged by the spouse, the husband, and just thinking, oh, if he wasn't like this, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. And Deep down inside, I knew that wasn't right, but dang, sometimes it feels good to have some righteous indignation, but then at the same time, it really wasn't righteous, was it? (laughs) And as I was driving to church, like God was so gentle in correcting me and he allowed me to feel, to feel his love for this husband. And at the same time, he allowed me to feel his sadness at the lack of connection that he was having with this, this husband. And as I was like feeling this and processing this, I, I couldn't help but also feel love for this husband and also feel sadness for the disconnect that was present on a spiritual level for him and how painful it really must be. And he doesn't realize it. And I just, I had so much love for him. I I just, yeah. And I, I repented, asked God for forgiveness and let that part of me die. And when I allowed that, it was as if there was this, this emptiness in me that then got filled with greater love. That's the beautiful thing about dying every day. That's the beautiful thing about seeing our thoughts and our feelings and being open to God correcting us and then allowing that part of us to die. And it doesn't stay empty, but then he like fills up, fills it with greater love. Can you imagine that? To take that part of you that is conflicting and contemptuous and filled with strife to let that die be filled with God's love and have an increase in what Alma would say the cause of freedom the cause of God's freedom freedom from spiritual spiritual darkness freedom from oppression, freedom from anger and strife. It's like the most amazing experience. And if you are struggling with with the warring inside your heart, with the strife inside your heart, I want to invite you to get on a call with me. Not so I can sell you on coaching. That's not the point. But to be able to talk about it 
and to be able to just get it out of your chest. Because sometimes another thing that we do as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is this professed image of perfection. So therefore we can't share these thoughts and feelings. And so we, they're festering and we we're so afraid to get them out because of the shame and the judgment we think is going to have. And it, it doesn't help anyone. It's clearly does not help you. Right. To like, not let that out of your chest. And so I understand that process. I understand the principle of it. I understand the need just like vomit it all out. And so if you need someone to vomit it all out and to witness it and to love you through it and to ask you questions that can help you to, to process this all out, I really invite you today to book a call with me. I would love and be honored to hold space for you and to help you in any way to really pick up the yoke of your covenant and to step more fully into who you are meant to be and to who and what you are meant to manifest in this life. Because you are meant to manifest, manifest the love of God. You are meant to manifest love of your own self and love for others. You are meant to be the light on the hill that cannot be hid. You can't hide it. It's not even possible because it's, it's so expansive. You have that capacity. I promise you, if I can do it, <laughs> oh, I know you can too. I know you can. All right. Let's see. What else did I write here? That I am washed clean that I'm washed clean every single day, that I get to experience a newness of life as I am allowing myself to die every day and to experience an early resurrection. Can you imagine that we get to practice this early resurrection now? That's not something that we need to wait for begrudgingly, but to do it now and to find the joy in an early resurrection. Like, I want to think about this, like when you kind of think about the resurrection of the future, I bet there's going to be this, for me, there's going to be this huge relief. It's like, oh, I made it. I don't have to do all these things. I can go and just, just enjoy my body and this new glorified state that I am in without being worried about being sick or tired or sleepy, or whatever, fill in the blank, whatever, okay? Like, it's going to be amazing. But what if we can kind of experience something like that right now? That joy, that love and joy and gratitude, just permeating in what you're saying and doing. And to have that aliveness, right? That aliveness of hope. So, and again, be either for perfect. Okay. I think there's a reason why that is, that sounds like a commandment to be that this is your being. This is your identity. This is your divine identity. And that we are meant to be in the state of joy to fulfill the two great commandments of loving God and then loving others as we love ourselves. It's so important and something that I've learned from, um, from 
Jennifer Finlayson Fife when she was on here, and also the many um, the many trauma experts that I'm reading on is that there's two things that are really important for us as human beings, that we belong to ourselves and that we belong to others through relationships. And it's so beautiful how God knows that, how our savior knows that, which encompasses the two great commandments, that we belong to God, we love him, but then he also, he also knows how important it is that we belong to our own self the unique spiritual being that I am with its unique spiritual gifts and calling. And that I have this deep desire to emulate who I am. And God wants me to do that. He wants me to belong to myself and then to belong to others, to love others in relationship because God's kingdom is all about relationships. And I bet you that many of those that will be rubbing shoulders in the kingdom of God will be those that will have grown up differently, will have different backgrounds and stories, will may have like different political views, may have different social views. But what's so beautiful about Paul, especially in Corinthians chapter eight, nine, and no, 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 hold on. I was just reading him this morning. <laughs> Darn it. Where is it? Anyway, in Corinthians, this is come follow me of just how, even when we are, we are, um, we are surrounded by diversity. Okay. And even in, in our wards, it's so diverse, right? We are truly a mixed faith church because our faith is so different. Our journey is so different that the one thing that can bring unity to all of us is our love, our covenant commitment, our covenant relationship with Christ. And when you have that, it doesn't matter what the other person is thinking and feeling about the political party that you don't affiliate yourself with or the social norms or the lack of social norms or how you feel about gender identity. But that, that, as important as it is, will always be second to the love that we all can share for our Savior, Jesus Christ, and how he is changing your life, my life, and every single brother and sister that we rub shoulders with. That, more than anything, will fill you with the love of God and for all men. And I'm so grateful that God in his tender mercy and wisdom knows how to bring his children together. He knows that it would be because of his son, Jesus Christ. And that he allowed him to come down upon this earth. To allow us to read and to witness the miracles hundreds and thousands of years ago and today. And that we can stand up and testify of our savior, Jesus Christ, and to be one in the body of Christ. All of us. We all have different perspectives and purposes here upon this earth. 
but more than anything, to remember that we are all one in the body of Christ. And I want you to think not just the mortal body of Christ, but in the resurrected body of Christ, that we all can be part of that glorified, joyful being today, right now, this moment, as you are listening to this. And if this is resonating with you, I want you to ask yourself this question. What is it that I am meant to do as part of the resurrected body of Christ? Who am I meant to help? How am I meant to love others? What am I meant to manifest today? And then I want you to go do it. I want you to recognize what part of you needs to die so that you can make greater room for the love of God and for all men. And then I would love for you to email me and share with me your experiences, your wins, your celebrations, and how you have come to know God in a way that maybe you didn't realize before. Okay. Thank you so much for getting on here, for sharing, for allowing me to share with you my insights and for me to testify and to let you know how much I believe in you, in you, in whatever circumstance that you are in. And that if you are an LDS woman going through separation and divorce, I want you to to consider joining me in my spiritual support group that is on Thursdays, 12 o'clock Eastern called Woman at the Well, where we come together and we share with each other what we're going through, but also to be able to do it with Christ, to be able to do it with perspective of the gospel and our covenant relationship. And if this podcast has been helpful for you, will you please share this podcast with other members of your family or friends that will find this useful as well. Thank you again so much. And I hope you have a great week. Take care.